In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... The Betches Brides Podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello, and welcome back to Betches Brides. I'm Jordana Abraham, and Nicole is on her honeymoon, as we've stated. But I'm so excited to bring back one of our guests from our most popular episodes so far this year. She is Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Jamie Glick. Welcome back, Dr. Glick. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to have you. I mean, I'm sure people have seen on my personal Instagram, you're also my personal dermatologist. So I'm excited to be able to share your wisdom that you brought to me personally with the rest of the Betches Brides community. So we're really excited to have you back. But this time, I think last time we talked about wedding skin overall. And this time we wanted to focus in on a topic that we get more than like anything else, which is Botox and filler questions specifically. Since I think there's like a lot of information about out there, I know not all of it is like legitimate. And like a lot of people have a lot of questions about it. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Because I remember you said, that's like one of your top that's the, one of the, the top things that you perform as well, right? Definitely. Botox is definitely the number one procedure I do in my office. And filler and laser are definitely like two and three, depending on the week. Like in the summer, I don't do as much laser like we talked about. Right. Because of the sun and, you know, people are often too tan for that. So we definitely do more filler in the summer. And then fall, like like this week, we have laser procedures going on multiple times a day. Yeah, and I got a laser procedure. I think I showed that also, um, which it's starting to look even... I got it a couple of weeks ago and it's starting to like fade a lot more than I had like initially anticipated. So I'm excited for that and for the follow-up for you to see how, how well it's doing. Awesome. <laughs> so let's start with the basics. I think a lot of people... Um, consider Botox before their weddings who've never had it before. So it's like something they're not totally familiar with. And like, what would you say are like the most important things to sort of like think about when you're thinking about or considering getting Botox? So I think number one is definitely the timing. So you do not want to get Botox for the first time ever too close to your wedding. I would say, and what I tell all my patients, if they come in a time that's good enough. So if it's like the week before your wedding, it's not an ideal time because your Botox is going to take up to two weeks to take effect. So basically, for those who don't know, Botox is actually a brand name and it's actually what's called a neuromodulator. There are four different types of Botox on the market. There's Botox, Dysport, Xeomin and Juvo. They're all competitors. They're all different types of the neuromodulator botulinum toxin. Botox came out first, got the best name. So we use Botox to describe them all. What it does is we, we inject it into the muscle 
to paralyze or weaken the muscle. And it takes up to two weeks for that final effect to have. While you're kind of going through that two week period, some of the muscles may paralyze before some of the other ones. So, you know, you might look a little funny, like three or four days after a lot of times I have patients say like my right side is going before my left side. You don't necessarily want that in your photos, right? So I would say at a minimum two weeks before the wedding, I don't really do any Botox or filler within two weeks of somebody's wedding. I like to do it like a trial, almost like you're getting a makeup trial, you're getting a you know, a hair trial, you definitely should be getting a Botox trial because, you know, you might think it's going to look one way and you might not love the way your smile looks with that, or you might want to be a little bit more natural or a little bit more frozen. So I always like to do something like three to four months out, usually about four months and then have patients come back about, you know, two to four weeks before their wedding. So then we can do it at that time. I see a lot of Instagram with people with spocked eyebrows on their wedding day. And I never want that to be me. And I never want it to be any of my patients. Right. So you're saying like four weeks before your wedding is probably or four or three, like between two and four so that you can like, it can fully be like done or for this, for like the final time pre-wedding. Exactly. And then the four is good because if you need a little touch up or, you know, we, we always have time to come back and, you know, tweak it a little. Right. When does it like start to fade? Which is like, how long does it last? So typically Botox neuromodulators wear off about 30% every month. So what I tell patients is that three months, it's about 90% worn off. So usually that's around the time that you need to come back and get some more if you want it. I'm an identical twin. My Botox wears off a lot less quickly than my sister for whatever reason we don't fully understand why so she usually comes back about every two and a half months i'm more of an every four month person she hates that but you know it's right it's a lot less expensive to be you then um (laughs) sounds like and then what areas do people usually get like when they come in like is it it's above, it has to be like a, bu- I feel like it's like the eye area and above. No, well, am I making that up? We can do Botox in a lot of places and we're learning more and more about places that we can do it. We can do forehead in between the eyebrows, the eyes, we can do the nose, we can do the lip, we can do the chin, we can do um, the jawline, we can even do the neck. It kind of depends. It's really patient specific. I would say above the nose is definitely the most common areas. So like the forehead and the eye areas, definitely the number, you know, one, two, and three areas that we do. Do you feel like those make the biggest difference or it really just depends on the person? I think that it really depends on the person. You know, I have patients who complain about their lip lines and that's like the thing that they look at the most. And some people have like no frown lines right in the middle of their eyebrows. We call those the 11 lines. And for whatever reason, the way people use their muscles that line just is pretty significant in some people and other people it's not so i really think it depends there are some people who will only get their eyes so i think it's really patient specific okay and then you mentioned before that like botox is just the brand name and there's all these other ones is there one that you like recommend more than the other ones or do you find because i know some are perhaps a little bit less expensive right or am i making that up offices they're all about the same price Actually, we charge the same for all of them. And we even use them interchangeably. So 
Juveau is the newest one out. So that's the one that I currently have in my face right now. But I've had all of them in, you know, a part of my face at any given time. So I think that they're all great. I think there are some that I use a little bit more on the upper face, some that I use a little bit more on the lower face. Sometimes patients come in and specifically want one because they read about it or their friend had it. But I think um, they're all kind of doing the similar things. Right. So there's no like pros or cons. And they all are sort of like, why would you use one on the upper face and one on the lower face? Well, example? without using specific brands, some of them diffuse a little bit more widely. So if I put it in one area, it's going to spread mm-hmm. a little bit more. And then if I put one in another area, it might stay in that area. So there are areas where I want Botox or Dysport or Xeomin or Juvo to to diffuse more. So like the forehead, you have one large muscle across your forehead. I want that to diffuse everywhere. But if I put it around your mouth or your lower face, I don't want it to diffuse everywhere because I definitely don't want it to, you know, cause a lip droop or a mouth droop or some asymmetry in your smile. But, right. you know, in, in my hands, I could use any one of them depending on how I mix it. So I think one thing that people don't realize is that Botox again, using the brand name, but all of them, they come as either air or they come as powder. So we actually have to mix them to get them to be used. So doctors mix them in all different ways. And that also can affect the diffusion of them as well. So that, I mean, the, the process seems a little bit more complicated than I would initially have thought. It just comes in like a syringe and you put it in. Um, so I guess that's why it's probably very important to go to someone who's like a licensed doctor as opposed to, because I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone can get like certified or maybe not anyone, but like, what is the process for being allowed to administer Botox? You know, this is a very controversial topic. And, mm-hmm. you know, my feeling is we talked about earlier on, like, what is the most important things before your wedding, right? So number one is the timing. And number two, which may even be number one, as well as who you go to. And, you know, I my preference is a board certified dermatologist or plastic surgeon. Both of those two doctors are, you know, physicians trained in this, we have to learn Botox and filler in our residencies. We have to take a board exam. So our training is very standardized. And while, you know, any medical profession, I'm not even sure it runs the gamut from, you know, nurses to mid-levels, PAs, MPs, and doctors, and any doctor can potentially put a syringe in it, in your face. And I actually, I actually think Botox is a lot more complicated than just like filling up a syringe and putting it in. Um, Although, you know, board certified dermatologists and plastic surgeons are definitely among the most trained, there are other practitioners out there who have good training, but it's just more variable and less standardized. So you definitely want to go to somebody who you trust, somebody who your friends trust and you've heard about, and you know, has been doing this for a long time and not necessarily just learned it, you know, over the weekend or something like that. Right. Who has some experience. Definitely very important. Do you feel like there's a certain age that like where people start to come in or that it's most effective for you to come in? Or I know like the, I think we talked about this last time, how like the deeper the wrinkles are, the harder they are to kind of of like smooth out. So like when would you suggest coming in for the first time? 
So I think that's a good question. And I have noticed probably thanks to social media, TikTok and Instagram, that the age is getting much younger than it used to be like five years ago. And unfortunately, I have people coming in and saying, you know, when do I have to get Botox? So I just want to say that I don't think that anyone has to do these procedures. They're personal. And I think it's something that you should really discuss with your board certified dermatologist, plastic surgeon, or whoever you choose to go to that you feel comfortable with. And then decide kind of together, because I think there's a lot of pressure surrounding people feeling like they have to get it, especially before their wedding. Sometimes I have patients who have no wrinkles at all. They're 23 and they, you know, they want to, you know, spend their money on Botox. And a lot of times I'll say, you know, does money grow on trees for you? Because if it's not growing on trees, this is not exactly the place that you should be spending it. You should, you know, spend your money for other things. And when you actually need Botox, or actually feel that you really need it, or I feel like it's more appropriate than we do it at that time. So while I don't, I think that typically, you know, 20s, you know, after 25 is when people start to come in, because that's when aging really starts to occur with the skin. It's also depends on your sun damage, you know, how many, how many tanning beds you've used in your life. And, you know, different, you know, if you grew up in Florida, versus if you grew up, you know, in, um, Iceland or something, your sun damage is going to be very different. But my rule of thumb is more like when you start to see a wrinkle at rest. So we call that a static wrinkle. So when you look in the mirror and you okay. raise up your eyebrows and you see those lines, those are called dynamic lines. When the lines are now at rest, when you're not raising up your eyebrows or you're not smiling, you see those lines, those static wrinkles. That's when I think is a good time to start thinking about Botox because once those are static, they're going to be harder and harder to remove with time. Right. And then, I mean, I, I think I read this somewhere. So I want this is my personal question, not from the DMs, but is it possible to sort of like overdo the book, like not overdo it in the sense like your face looks frozen, but like to do it so frequently that your muscles like become weaker or. Or atrophy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we're learning more and more about that. There are certain areas where people do Botox, where we do want the muscle to atrophy. So for example, your masseter muscles are muscles that help with chewing, right? They're on the side of the face. And so sometimes we can atrophy that muscle to help create more of a heart-shaped face than a square-shaped face. And sometimes patients come in for that. We also do it for patients who have TMJ, or they feel like they're grinding a lot, we can soften that muscle. And we put enough Botox in that muscle to not just weaken it, but really to like atrophy it and change the shape of it in a lot of those cases. And that's something where we kind of want that to happen. Um, you know, I do have spoken to colleagues who say if you put too much or too frequently, it's possible that that muscle can weaken to a point where it can, you know, possibly change. But I haven't really seen much of that. So, you know, I don't worry about that too much. If you have, you know, we don't put so much in that it's too worrisome, you know, and if a patient was coming back to me every, you know, three to four weeks to get Botox, I would turn them away because they don't really need it anyway. So I don't really encounter that as an issue too much. Right. Okay. That's good to know. Maybe someone you trust. You don't want to just be getting Botox every two weeks. That's not really how it works. Right. To someone who will actually like 
take you into consideration, not just trying to make money off of you, but like take your, your, the health of your face into consideration is probably how you know you're with a quality, um, administer of a professional, professional for Botox. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly, Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. So Newly is a subscription clothing rental service for just $98 a month. You can get your choice of any six styles. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no parameters. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees. There's no late fees, no damage fees, no fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you like lose a button. Uh Uh-oh, I spilled something on it. Or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing all the way up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code brides20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code brides20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code brides20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just some some listener questions from Instagram. Someone said, I saw that you can be too smooth if you do too much and makeup will slip off. Is that true? Yeah, I I saw that question. I I, I never really had that as an issue. And I do a lot of pre-bridal stuff in patients who wear makeup. Um, So I wouldn't worry about that too much. I think the too much is more of an issue when you become too frozen. And now you're at your wedding without any facial expression. So I definitely like to, you know, strike a balance between that. Um, Because, you know, it's supposed to be one of the happiest days of your life. And you want to show that, I think. You want to be able to smile, probably, right? (laughs) To an extent. Um. And then someone asked if it well, can you do anything about under eye wrinkles? Like, is that something that Botox can fix? So under eye wrinkles is something that we as dermatologists and under eye bags is something that we have, you know, patients are always coming in for. It de- I think the answer is it depends. You know, a lot of these questions are specific to patients. So it depends on where the lines are under your eyes, how deep they are, whether or not they occur when you smile or not the structure of your face. And so the answer is maybe there are also laser procedures and filler procedures that we can do under the eye too, but it can help depending on, you know, your, your eye structure. It can also make things look a little funny. So I think it's definitely specific to a patient. Right. The eye area, I feel like more than anything else is like a 
I mean, we'll get into that when we get to fillers, but I think people are very worried about it because that's obviously what everyone sees like first, Especially I think, when they see you. With masks, it's one of the only things we will see. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then our, our last real question was about like um, the cost, which I'm sure varies by the kind of person who's administering it. Like, is this the kind of thing where you should be looking for a deal or like, I mean, I assume like it varies based on location from where you are, like what city you're in, all of that. Like, is there a standard sort of range that you've seen? So I think that it's definitely variable based on who you're going to, where you're going. For sure in New York, it's the prices are higher than they are in other states, just like coffee, you know, anything right. else. Um, everything is is more um, likely here and probably in LA. It's also higher price. You know, personally, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, like to me, Botox, filler, all of these procedures, you know, I always find it amazing that anyone can inject, you know, both almost anyone can inject Botox and filler, but you know, they can't do your skin check or treat your acne, you know, the restrictions on things like that are much more and, you know, due to other reasons, you know, these things are starting to become commoditized. And I don't think these are real medical cosmetic procedures, you're injecting into your face, you know, I think that who you go to is very important. You know, I, I personally like have a very specific regimen for my hair, you know, and my right. eyebrows, you know, and like, I'm not just going to anyone to, you know, thread my eyebrows, or to highlight my hair. So the cost is definitely different. I think, um, I don't think it's something where you should be getting, you know, deals from because things can go wrong, obviously. Um, I think, you know, it can range anywhere from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand, thousand. It depends on how much you do. You know, a lot of times I see these deals where they're charging, you know, by unit, but a lot of times people are getting significantly under treated. Like I've had patients go to places where they get charged per, per unit, you know, they get 20 units and then they come to me and they're completely still moving. And I said, and they don't even know that that's not what Botox is supposed to look like, you know? Right. And then I end up having to redo it. And then they end up spending, you know, more than twice as much. So obviously finances is different for everyone. And I, you know, I understand that. So, you know, and sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But I think that, um, you know, first, like anything in life is, you know, going to a quality person and then assessing the price afterwards. Okay. And then if, if Botox, if people feel like Botox is out of their price range, like they can't afford it for their wedding, but they still want to make their skin have like some of the similar effects. Is there anything you could do maybe like that would be like, less you know permanent i wake up my skin looks like this but more like day of will help them kind of like have a similar somewhat effect to botox or filler so i don't think we can get like an exact effect of botox or filler um but i think that if you you know got yourself a facial a few days before if you got some microdermabrasion to brighten your skin all of that can like help your skin you know a few days before again it's not something i would ever run recommend doing the first time right before your wedding because it goes wrong it's problematic but you know doing like a facial and getting a little bit of a microdermabrasion or like a light peel but a lot of times facials end up costing more than you know one area of botox you know sometimes i i talk a lot about budgeting to my patients and priorities you know maybe we do one area 
you know, instead of multiple areas. And that's how we can reduce cost for sure. Right. That's a good tip too. So if you have like one thing, like one line in particular that really bothers you personally, um, that's probably as like, cause you said it mostly charges by like the unit you're saying. So you could use less more strategically. And some people charge by unit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Let's get into filler. So similarly to Botox, is filler something you should try in like the same kind of timeline of like, you know, a trial a few months before and then um, like the one for the wedding, like two to four weeks out? Or does that have a slightly different timeline? I think it has a different timeline because filler lasts longer. We talked about how Botox wears off about 30% every month. Botox, uh, filler on the other end can last like six to 12 months. Depends oh. where you do it. So you don't necessarily need to do it. You know, if you did it, you know, a month or so before your wedding, it's still going to be there. Um, you can also bruise and swell more from filler than you can Botox. So it's something I would definitely push out well beyond, you know, the two week mark at a minimum, a month mark for sure. And usually I think, you know, a month mark before, because then you'll, you'll know what it looks like and it'll still be there and you won't have to deal with a lot of the swelling or the bruising or any, most of the consequences of doing the procedure itself. However, you know, if it's your first time ever and you decide you want lip filler, you know, I think from, I haven't gotten married yet, but hopefully one day and, you know, before events though, you know, you want to look like yourself just a little bit freshened up, right? So you don't necessarily want to change the way that you look. And when I do filler, I don't want people to change the way they look. You just want, you know, your cheeks might be a little bit more of like, you know, a contouring or your lips like a little bit plumpier. Um, but you're still going to look slightly different. And so you want to make sure that you're happy with the way that that looks. And so sometimes doing it a few months out to make sure that this is what you want to look like in your photos. You know, if you're used to your lips a certain size and now all of a sudden there are different size for the biggest, you know, day of your life, those are things to think about. And so sometimes doing it before getting used to it, I think is a good, and it always depends on when people get engaged, when they're, wedding is and what the timeline is. Right. So it's like a little riskier to even try something out four months before your wedding. Cause it, you're saying, cause it lasts, like it could last up to a year. So it's not going to be like gone if you don't like it. Well, the good news is, is we can reverse it. So most, oh. a lot of the fillers that we use are called um, like HA fillers. So hyaluronic acid, everyone knows all over the internet, it's like, you know, thing in all the serums now everyone's talking about, but that's actually one of the primary ingredients used in filler, Juvederm and Restylane are names that people know. So those fillers have hyaluronic acid, so we can inject that into the skin. There's also an enzyme called hyaluronidase that we actually can, you know, put into a bottle and inject into the skin if we wanted to reverse it and if you wanted it removed. So there are ways that we can remove it, but also you paid for it. So like removing it isn't ideal, right. comfortable. Some of my, some I've had to remove filler in some patients, a lot of times coming from the outside, you know, we have to correct things. And some patients have even reported that injection is more painful than the filler itself. So you definitely you know, don't want to do that unless you need to do that. Okay. 
And then I assume like to get a, I mean, someone else asked about how much you should do to make sure it still looks natural. I assume you start off a little bit less and then at, like, at, like the ideal is to add more as you see how like it winds up looking a few weeks later. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that I do it is that I discuss everything with my patients before we have a whole plan, you know, I draw it on a face, I go over it with them and we talk about, you know, what we're going to do. And then typically if I'll do one side of the face, let's say I'm doing the right cheek, then I'll show them a mirror. We'll talk about what it looks like and then we'll go to the other side. So I definitely like to do gradual and more subtle, but you also want someone to see a difference because these procedures are expensive, you know? Right. So I think it's a fine line. Yeah, exactly. And so I yeah. think that you want to, you know, what's a little, what's a lot. Sometimes patients need two or three syringes to see a big difference. And sometimes if it's in your lip, you only might need half or one to see a difference. So again, like a lot of this stuff, it's really, you know, between you and the person injecting you and, and your budget. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that it's all, it's a lot of things to consider. Um, and someone asked about actually a few different people asked about this Botox lip flip mm-hmm. and what the difference is between that and lip filler. And I've never heard of the Botox lip flip, but apparently that's a thing. What What is that? It is a thing. Um, so there's a couple of different things that we can do in the lower face with Botox that are kind of cool and fun. So some patients complain of like a gummy smile. So when you smile and you see a lot of gum, sometimes people don't like that look. So we can place Botox to affect certain muscles that can actually drop that upper lip and prevent that gummy smile. We can also paralyze some of the muscles around the lip, which can then um, affect the structure of the lip temporarily and have the upper lip kind of pop out. And we call that the lip flip. So it's basically how we put the Botox around the orbicularis or its muscle or the muscle around the mouth. And so if we place it in certain areas, we can create a lip flip we place it in other areas, we can help with the gummy smile. We can also place it in other areas to help with some of the lip lines that patients get as they get older. And the lip flip makes it look bigger? It can make it look bigger. But what I've noticed most is that it often, where I find the lip flip to be most helpful in my patients is it doesn't necessarily make it look so much bigger just when you're looking at the person or when you're looking at yourself on Zoom. It's more when you smile. A lot of times when people smile, their lip kind of upper lip kind of disappears a lot and people don't like that. And so what the lip flip often does is when they smile, you can see a lot more of that upper lip and people find that often to be more attractive and it makes them happier. It's more subtle. It's a lot cheaper than filler itself. And it's a lot less risky than filler is. However, I don't think it has as much of a wow effect as filler. So it kind of depends on what you're going for. And again, what I would do, you know, if someone came to my office, I would look in the mirror and I would kind of try and define exactly what it is they're going for. And then we decide which which the Botox or the filler, even a combination of both gets them to their goals. Because sometimes I'll have patients complain about one thing And it turns out, you know, it's really the Botox that will help them or it's the filler. And, you know, that's why it's important who you go to and who you discuss these things with for sure. Right. That does seem like a good alternative option if you are, you know, just want something. Maybe you like are happy overall with your appearance, but you want to do a little something extra for your wedding, being that it's like a little bit more temporary, like you said, or subtle. It's going to help with the smile and pictures. Yeah.
Okay, so someone said, I want to do under eye filler, but I'm scared. What are your thoughts slash recommendations on this? How long in advance? I mean, I can personally say I've had under eye filler. Um, also, I also had the same fears. And I mean, I love it. It's like my favorite procedure I think I've ever gotten. And you did a great job if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> so like, what are your thoughts on like that fear? Or, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before about like the Botox wrinkles or like this, the, 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 uh, the eye area in general. You know, I think that patients always come in concerned about the eye area and worry that, you know, we're going to inject somewhere and it's going to damage the eye. And I think that that's a real fear, but honestly, the eye, um, you know, the, the anatomy there, as long as you know the anatomy, the risks there aren't significantly greater than they are in the lip or somewhere else. In fact, you know, I don't like to discuss this, but I always have to discuss this with my patients. And Jordana, you know this, like there are two very serious side effects of filler that kind of get brushed under the rug. And, you know, they're not often posted about on the internet because they're just, you know, not as sexy as the before and after pictures. But Filler isn't a substance, it's hyaluronic acid, and it gets injected into the skin. And it can cause infections, it can cause nodules, it can cause allergic reactions, but in its most serious form, it can get injected into a blood vessel and actually cause damage to the skin or the eye, and even leading to blindness. There have been some case reports of this. And when I used to, you know, when I first started doing this, I used to lose sleep at night and, you know, stay awake at night every time I did filler, wondering if I was going to get a call about some of these things. And, you know, I still lose sleep sometimes about that. But I think that the eye is not necessarily any more risky, even for blindness than anywhere else. In fact, doing filler in the forehead is one of the highest risk areas and knows a lot of people, you know, into this nose. like the non-surgical nose job? Rhinoplasty is the name mm-hmm. for it. I do that, but that's one of the highest risk areas. And that's why it's one of the most important, you know, to make sure you're going to an experienced injector. Um, I think the bigger problem with the under eye is that it can swell a lot. And so our eyelid skin is the thinnest skin in our body. And so putting a substance there that absorbs water like hyaluronic acid, which is why it leaves you nice and pumpy, can also cause a lot of swelling, a lot of bruising. And so doing that procedure too close to your wedding is a problem because if you add a lot of salty foods, if you're stressed the night before, if you're, you know, if your party, you know, your rehearsal dinner included a lot of sushi, you're going to smell more. So you definitely want to push that out a little bit more um, because you want all that swelling that's going to happen in the first week or two to settle. But I do think under eye filler can be one of the bigger game game changers for patients for sure. So I would definitely say no more than a month, you know, before your wedding, should you do this? If you have more time, you can do it, you know, five or six months before, and it should last through there because that eyelid skin is so thin under eye filler sometimes can last well beyond a year in patients. Right. And to me, I think it did make, again, like I said, the biggest difference just because I felt like I looked and it can really help with like a tired, I mean, like you can see people who are tired really mostly just look tired in their eyes. And so I feel like if you have, if you like that to me made the biggest difference because I can wake up and look like I'm, you know, refreshed or like any time of the day when like, I think that you said as, as you age, your eye area gets like a little bit more sunken or is that just for certain people? 
So I think two things happen as you age. Some people can get what's called a fat pad that pops out. So you have all these fat heads on your body. So genetically, sometimes you can actually have that pop out. And some of those patients where you can see like real bags under the eyes, even as young as like 25, that's a genetic thing. And I seem to see it a little bit more in younger women and older men, actually. And so we can place filler to strategically alter those, um, the appearance of those pads. But at the same time, um, as we get older, our bone reserves in Jordana, we've talked about this. And so the scaffolding of everything that holds our skin together, which is the bone, starts to resorb. And so everything that's supposed to stay on it starts to sink. And that's why, you know, gravity takes over and things start to like drag. And so the distance between the eye falls a little bit, the cheek falls, and that's how we get those jowlings. And so that hollowness under the eye becomes more apparent. And so we can also place filler there to improve that hollowness. So there's different issues that people have with aging under the eye. And so different fillers and, you know, can change that. And sometimes even cheek filler can improve the under eye. And a lot of it is based on people's bone structure. So again, that can be paid specific as well. So like, I guess what you're saying, which makes a lot of sense is like, you don't, there's no one area that you would recommend for like universally as, as the filler spot. It really just depends on your face and like how, how time is catching up to you. hundred <laughs> percent people age all right. different ways. So I think there's definitely not one procedure I can recommend, you know, aside from like Botox and filler as a global entity, like where to put it mm-hmm. really specific to the patient. And again, because these procedures cost money, the number one thing is like the area that bothers, you know, the patient the most, we want to target that area in the best way. But sometimes the area that they think is required. So sometimes it might be the cheek that's really causing the under eye issue. And so that's definitely something that you should talk to your doctor about, and then they can tell you what's best. It's interesting. You're almost like an artist because you're like looking at like the portrait and then how to like tweak it. You know, you know, it's like um, an art. It absolutely is. And it requires a lot of training, a lot of experience. And, you know, even myself, you know, the, the way that I did filler five years ago is very or eight years ago when I first started is very different than the way I do it now. And I'm constantly keeping myself up to date, trying different techniques and learning all the time. Right. Experience seems like one of the most important things you would probably need in someone. You wouldn't want someone fresh out the, out of the, out of the training. Well, probably. You know, some of, it depends on your training. You know, if you went to a residency where you spent, you know, seven years in a plastic surgery residency, you know, you already had seven years of training. Right. So I think it kind of depends, but definitely someone who's doing this a lot for sure. And then compared to this is our final question about fillers is compared to Botox, are they is it a lot more expensive or is it like comparable? That's a good question. So if you get one area of Botox, typically that's a lot less expensive than say one syringe of filler. And however, right, so like if the syringe of filler is lasting about a year and you have to redo your Botox a couple of times a year, the price ends up being not that different. So, you know, one time Botox is definitely going to be cheaper, but, you know, it all kind of depends on what your primary concerns are too and where you should spend your money. Right. And how long it's lasting. And I think that's a lot, that's a big consideration for people 
you know, who are getting married, it's like, do I, is this something that I want just for my wedding? Or is this something that I want to like, generally look like? Um, and I mean, I've thought about that in terms of I've talked about this before, like, so I braces on the back, like, uh, in like lingual braces that are behind my teeth. So I'm kind of like, I could get them off earlier, but they wouldn't be fully done. And it's kind of the same sort of thought process. Like, is this for my wedding? Because then in which case I should just take them off. Because like, or is it like for my life? In which case I should leave them on. So it's interesting as how your wedding can sort of affect your sense of like time discounting. <laughs> totally. I was supposed to get my Invisalign, you know, before my wedding, but you know, now I'm in my, you know, thirties, late thirties and I'm not married yet. So I was like, you know what, why am I doing this for my wedding? I'm just going to get my Invisalign. And so now I have it. And so my, my teeth will be great for my wedding and beyond. There is. Yeah. Not rushed. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so there is one type of filler that I just wanted to mention because it's been like all over the internet. I don't know if you've seen much about this jawline filler. Oh, I think someone did ask about what, I mean, I think that was aligned with what you recommend, but what, what is that? So, um, there's a lot of interesting photos on the internet about, you know, creating this very angled jaw and there's a lot of before and after pictures and, you know, I just recently saw a post of this beautiful woman who then went and got filler, which totally readjusted her jawline into a very angled jaw. And so while you can tell there was filler and it looked very angular, it made her look less attractive. And so a lot of things that are out there don't necessarily mean that they're going to make people more attractive or that you need it. So I have a lot of patients coming in who like want jawline filler. And then when we discuss it, it doesn't really make sense for them. And so, you know, I, I think that everyone kind of needs, well, again, like I said, no one needs anything, but what one person right. might want is not necessarily the same as someone else. And so it's definitely something you want to discuss and not just go into it. You definitely want to go into your injector with an open mind. Cause a lot of these things on the internet are, you know, touched up, not real, or they're just not going to work for your bone structure or your skin. And, you know, it's a very masculine thing to have a jawline. And so we don't want to be, you know, the way we do Botox and filler in men and women, and um, we don't want to, you know, create masculine features and feminine features and kind of confuse that. And so we want to keep with somebody's structure and what their ideal is, you know, so where, right. where the female cheek is and where the male cheek is, is not, is not the same. And the jawline and is usually much more angulated in a man than it is in a female. And that also expands to races. So different races have different, you know, shapes to their lips and structures. And so you don't want like a cookie cutter where everyone just kind of looks exactly the same. Right. What like what uh, like kind of like an outfit, like just because it looks good on someone that you saw on Instagram doesn't mean it's going to have the same look on you. Exactly. I would imagine. Exactly. <laughs> um, but that's a really good note and kind of like, I think, place to to leave each other unless do you have any other like thing that you feel like the audience listeners would benefit from knowing about Botox and filler that we might not have covered? Yeah, I, I think we, we briefly touched on this, but I, I really, you know, as a doctor, like my number one priority is my patients. And, you know, I, I hate when people come into my office feeling all this pressure that they're, you know, somehow behind the ball if they didn't get Botox and filler by a certain age or, you know, they're never going to be able to catch up. And, you know, we have a lot of, or they're scared of needles and they don't want to get it in the first place, but they feel pressure. You know, there are so many things that we can do to keep our skin young and healthy that don't involve needles or injectables. And, 
You know, I think that knowing that you don't have to get this and your life isn't going to be over if you can't afford it or you can't get it or, you know, you're not going to be beautiful or you're not going to stay young. There are so many things out there. So I just just don't want people to feel all this pressure. That's that, right. I mean, that's a great point, too, especially like, you know, as you think about your wedding, I feel like there is a lot of pressure to look like more incredible than you've ever looked on any other day of your entire life. Um, and I don't think that's like fair or necessarily should be the case, but it's good to have all the facts. If you're something that you're looking into or something that you've thought about doing or something that you want to do for any reason at all. So thank you so much for sharing all of this amazing knowledge with us. Um, where can, where can they find you? Where can they come see you? So I work at New York Dermatology Group, 119 Fifth Avenue. It's on the corner of 19th and Fifth Avenue in New York City. I also have an Instagram account, which I is Dr. Jamie Glick, and I'm sure you can link it here. So, you know, I answer a ton of skincare questions on there. And um, yeah, those are the places they can find me. I work Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays, because I just love my job and I'm always there. So you can find me all the time. Yes. And if anyone, I actually have been lately getting a lot of DMs probably. Um, and I say a lot, I probably mean like a few um, about how great my skin looks. And if you guys, I, just, I already said at the beginning episode, but Dr. Glick has been helping me on my pre-wedding skincare journey. So she does a great job. I can personally vouch for her. And thank you again for coming on. And so excited for this episode to come out. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to see your wedding. Thank you. All right. Well, till death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Nicole Pellegrino, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.